Since 2017, the Italian Wine Podcast has exploded and expects to hit 6 million listens by the end of July 2023. We're celebrating this success by recognizing those who have shared the journey with us and giving them the opportunity to contribute to the ongoing success of the shows. By buying a paper copy of the Italian Wine Unplugged 2.0 or making a donation to help the ongoing running costs, members of the international Italian wine community will be given the chance to nominate future guests and even enter a prize draw to have lunch with Stevie Kim and Professor Attilio Scienza. To find out more, visit us at italianwinepodcast.com. Chin chin! Italian Wine Podcast is delighted to present a series of highlights from the 2022 Wine to Wine Business Forum, focusing on wine communication and bringing together the most influential speakers in the sectors to discuss the hottest topics facing the wine industry today. Don't forget to tune in every Thursday at 2 p.m. Central European Time or visit winetowine.net for more information. Good afternoon and welcome to this meeting on communication in times of crisis. Uh, let me introduce myself. I am uh, Nadia Zenato, and uh, together with uh, my brother Alberto, we, we are in uh, the family winery uh, business. We are located here in uh, Verona, in Garda Lake and Valpolicella, and uh, we uh, invested uh, a lot of, uh, in these two territories, Lugana and Valpolicella. And when my father started in the 1960, he invested a lot of, uh, in the indigenous grapes, uh, in particular in the Lugana grapes and the Corvina Veronese. And at that time uh, was uh, not, uh, of course, uh, uh, marketing or uh, com- uh, communication that we do now. And uh, so but, uh, just uh, my father traveled a lot to promote the wines uh, uh, alone and uh, with um, my mom and uh, participate in some uh, exhibition as uh, in Italy or international events. So this is, uh, was the way uh, to promote uh, the wines. Uh, nowadays, it changes a lot. In fact, uh, uh, now we export our wines in uh, more 60 countries, uh, mostly in uh, North America, in uh, Europe, Italy. And, uh, uh, of course, uh, now we have uh, in our estate uh, a team that uh, uh, take care about uh, the marketing, about uh, the social media. And, in particular, we have uh, a manager that uh, take care about the hospitality because in the last uh, 10 years uh, increased a lot of uh, the um, wine, uh, wine tour, the, the tourism of the wine, especially uh, to visit the winery. So, and we do a very important investment to have a manager who take care about this. And uh, so, I, I like also to say that we are the, the soul of Lugana and the art of Valpolicella, because this is our uh, um, our motto, our, our claim that uh, I like uh, uh, to define ourselves. And uh, so today for me is a great uh, opportunity to have here uh, Michel Erland, is uh, the senior account supervisor at Colangelo Partners. I met her uh, many years ago, probably 10 years ago, <laughs> uh, when she came to visit uh, our winery. And so for me is a very great uh, woman that uh, has a strong, uh, passionate of uh, wine, and uh, so I think it's a great opportunity today for all of us 
to understand better about uh, how is the communication after a very important crisis that was uh, the nowadays, so yeah. as the, uh, not only the war, but also the pandemic. And mm -hmm. uh, I think it's very important what uh, uh, we have to, to do for uh, uh, to stay and to maintain, uh, of course, uh, uh, the important values uh, to promote, uh, in particular, the, the wines. So uh, thank you. And now I, I give you the opportunity to, to tell us uh, something very interesting. Yeah. Well, thank, thank you, you, Nadia. It is actually an honor for me to be here with you too. It feels like a full circle moment. Um, the first time I came to Italy, the first winery I ever went to was Zanotto. And um, so it's, it's great to be here 10 years later as colleagues on stage. Um, so na as Nadia mentioned, um, I am a senior account supervisor with Colangelo and Partners Public Relations. We are the leading um, agency for fine wine spirits. Uh, and we also do uh, have food accounts as well in the US with offices in New York, uh, California, and uh, Miami. And um, so, when I decided to speak on um, communicating during a times of crisis, at first I thought, you know, I'm going to be the, the person bringing the bad news right, to, to this two-day event. But after, you know, talking to a lot of you and talking to producers and media, I found that many of you and many of my colleagues have said that, you know, they are noticing more crises that are coming their way to have to deal with on a regular basis within the wine industry. So I think that this is actually a very important conversation for us to be having. Um, so I want to start today uh, with a little exercise. So I'm gonna make you all participate a little bit. So please raise your hand if this crisis impacted your business or you in any way. Nobody. Oh, all right, in the back, great. <laughs> That's okay, that's okay. Um, so if you're not aware of what happened, very quick summary, here in 1985, um, the Austrian, a few producers in Austria actually used an ingredient found in antifreeze. They put it inside of the wine in order to make their wine appear sweeter and fuller in body. Um, what's important to note here is that while a small amount of producers actually did this, the entire industry collapsed. Um, and it took 16 years for them to rebuild their reputation and reach the export market um, numbers that they were before the scandal. It was only 2001 when yeah. they got there. Um, all right, let's try another one. So raise your hand if you or your business have been impacted by this scandal. <laughs> Our, oh, we got hands in the back, okay. <laughs> well, yeah. again, little summary here, if you know, um, this is, this man basically committed the greatest wine fraud of our generation. A uh, very brief summary, um, he was known to take some uh, entry-level, low-quality, bulk California wine, and he put it inside Bordeaux and Burgundy and some really um, high-end expensive wines. And one thing I want you to take note here is you can see 
just on the examples of the articles that have been published, uh, but there has been hundreds and thousands of articles and a Netflix movie published about this man, also known as Mr. Conti, and including, if you Google him, you'll see some recent articles where he was mentioned again because of a recent uh, crisis that happened in France. All right, now raise your hand if this crisis impacted you or your business. Of course. <laughs> Finally, everyone <laughs> participates. I don't think we need a summary here, um, but what I do want to focus on is what do these three crises have in common? And what they have in common is that stakeholder trust is in jeopardy. So whether you realize it or not, if you make a wine and you're in that luxury category um, and consumers read in the main news about what Rudy did, that impacts a consumer from trusting your products, right? There's that, that sense of confidence that trust is gone. So this is what we really want to focus on today. Um, one small note, as you know, with any industry, the most important value any brand has is trust. And Nadia, I'm sure you know that. Your, your consumers trust yes. you. Um, your restaurants that buy from you trust that your wine is going to be consistent in quality year after year. So that's very important here. One thing, again, I wanted to mention is recently um, Pew Research Institute in the U.S. did release a report that said, in general, consumer trust is down um, in the United States. So people right now are not trusting governments, they're not trusting businesses, some people are not even trusting media, so the fact that we're already starting at a disadvantage makes it even more important that we have a crisis communications plan in place today to really build that brand loyalty and either maintain, build, or restore that trust. So before we dive into how we protect that trust or build that brand loyalty, let's look at what a crisis is. So we did talk about three major events, but a crisis is actually anything that um, keeps an organization or a business from fulfilling its mission. So this could be something that's real, perceived, it could be human error, someone made a simple mistake, it could be an act of nature, like a wildfire or a storm. Um, it could be, you know, something you have no control over, and it also could be something you should have known better. I'm sure the Austrians <laughs> probably should have known better back in 1985. But um, what we want to look at is that a crisis really is a pressure test for an organization. So it should, we should look at it as a crisis exposes things in our organization that need to be addressed, need to be fixed. And this could be not only in your products and, and the way you, know, you do things, but also in leadership, but most importantly in our communities and our culture, especially communities that you're serving or that you're trying to reach in that demographic. So um, here are some current crises, challenges impacting the wine industry in 2022. And I, when I went through this list, I found articles written, um, social media posts, within the last month or two about every single one of these things. So take a moment um, and really think, you know, how have your business or you been impacted or have you dealt with these different situations or are you thinking like, do I know how to approach these different things? 
So um, before we get into how we prepare a crisis communications plan and execute it, um, let's really break down the crisis. So what we do is we're going to break down the crisis into two categories. And these categories do work together. So when a crisis does hit, you are going to be, you know, the management side and the communication side will always be working together. But these two categories that we want to look at are containment and communication. So with containment, we are really dealing with the reality of the crisis. That's crisis management. Your job is essentially to stop what's happening. Not so much ask how it happened or why it happened, but just stop it, right? Contain it. Um, and it's important when you are developing a crisis management plan that you do consult with your legal team, your HR team, your board of directors, um, anyone who could potentially be involved in the operations or logistics of this particular issue. And no matter what infrastructure is in place to manage um, the problem, communication is always the first thing that happens. So. Um, crisis communications is going to deal with the perception of the reality that's happening. And for the purpose of today's presentation, we're really going to focus on the crisis communications and how to plan and execute. Um, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> All right. So, um, did you have some, I think you had some questions to put in, right? Yes. Uh, so, in this time of crisis, uh, uh, the communication. Uh Are you enjoying this podcast? Don't forget to visit our YouTube channel, Mama Jumbo Shrimp, for fascinating videos covering Stevie Kim and her travels across Italy and beyond, meeting winemakers, eating local foods, and taking in the scenery. Now, back to the show. So, how do you uh, prepare a plan to... Um, to face a crisis? Well, that's so great that you asked because we're getting into that that um, slide right now. So what we want to do is really look at the, the crisis communication strategy as the command center. So it's the central place where not only are your consumers and getting their information, but also media can get that information. Employees can get that information. So we really want to, you know, look at the plan as the heartbeat or, or the soul of, of the um, overall strategy. So what I want to do today, because you know each scenario should really be its own strategy, but I want to give you three essential points or key takeaways where you can look at your particular vulnerability or your particular um, crises and really use these points or these tools to develop a plan um, prepare for it to potentially happen, and then execute it. So these three key, key takeaways are lead, don't manage, build crisis memory, and know your audience. So let's start with lead, don't manage. Um, this is all about being proactive versus reactive. Um, we want to build trust and credibility through proactive communication leading up to a crisis. So you know, you don't want to wait for the crisis to happen and have that be the first time your stakeholders receive any information from you. Um, we want to communicate quickly, transparently, and truthfully. We, we say the five C's, so clear, correct, complete, concise, and compassionate. And one thing to note here about 
the complete is this does not mean you wait to have all the information. It means that you communicate what you know and what you don't know. The point is to establish that line of communication so stakeholders trust you to update them with information when you have it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, during times of crisis, the reality is you are actually never fully in control. And the only tool or weapon that you have is um, how you respond and the actions that you take. And whether you choose to speak or not, you are making a statement. And what's another important thing to note is that if you don't communicate your message, someone else will. Now, whether that's someone on social media or that's media, it's important for you to, again, establish that line of communication and that voice of authority and be that person that the stakeholders trust to deliver accurate information. This is an important uh, point because uh, we are in the area of the social media. Mm -hmm. So I think that uh, it's very important to understand what is uh, the best way in this moment, in this particular moment, to, commu to communicate uh, with the social media. Absolutely. And we do have a slide coming up where we get into the social media error. But I think what's important to know is that people want... In your communication, they want you to take ownership or responsibility. They want you to communicate your values and your authenticity. So they, the, all those things matter in how you communicate, whether it's on social or to the media. Um, the goal is always to establish that they can trust you mm -hmm. and that you are not a bad person or a bad company and that this one crisis is not just an example of a systematic problem within your organization. Build crisis memory. This is all about preparation. So this is all about the plan that, that you asked about. Um, you know, you would not go take a big test without studying, right? And it's the same here. So how do we go through this process of building crisis memory and, and preparing? So the first thing we want to do is really assess our vulnerabilities. So if we went back to that slide that showed all those crises in the wine industry, that were in the media being discussed, look at those and see where your vulnerabilities are. Um, then we wanna develop potential responses. So have a holding statement ready. What is a holding statement? This is, and we'll have an example coming up a little later in the presentation, but this is a statement that acknowledges you are aware of a crisis and provides information. And that should be what goes out very quickly in order to, again, open that line of communication. And then, as part of your preparation, once you pull out these vulnerabilities, draft a couple press and social media captions or statements to practice because you don't want all of this to happen or try to figure out how to do it when a crisis um, takes place because you're also going to be um, flustered and, and, and trying to get to the bottom of what's happening. So finally, build the plan. And this is all about infrastructure. You wanna build the infrastructure and test that it works. So this means, and I know Nadia, you have a, a point here, but do you have a way to quickly communicate with your customer base? Or are you always communicating through other people? Can you reach out to your, your customers? Can you deliver a message? Um, do you have a way to reach your internal partners? So whether that's your importer, your distributors, um, anyone else in the supply chain. 
and who has the ability to make decisions. So if Nadia, you have the ability to make the decision. If you're unreachable, there should always be people behind you that can make the decision in your absence. And finally, know your audience. Um, you know, this is really not about you in times of crises. It's about your stakeholder. And it's not a one-size-fits-all situation. So we do want to be prepared to calibrate our communication strategies to reach that particular audience depending on you know the severity of the crisis and and the community or the the um, customers we're talking to this is a very important note and this is something that quite a few people brought up when i was discussing over the last couple of days this topic employees are your most important stakeholder during times of crisis so what does this mean? This means that we have to constantly be giving approved information, updated information to our employees. Because when a crisis hits, they become our network of ambassadors to really help deliver a message. Um, and then finally, know your media landscape. Um, you know, where are your stakeholders getting information from? because you know, that's where you need to be and, and it's not always in the same place. So you might have to have a couple different strategies. Um, let's talk a little bit about the media because we do need the media during times of crisis. So we do want to um, build media relationships before a crisis takes place. And this morning, um, Felicity Carter and Rebecca Hopkins gave a presentation about building these, the, these relationships and how to be really successful in the U.S. market, it's important to um, have those open lines of communications. But it's even more important during times of crisis that the first time you sit down with a journalist shouldn't be when there's a crisis and they're interviewing you about it. Um, you want to become a regular trusted source by providing updated information throughout the year. An important note here too, with journalists, as I mentioned in the beginning, we are in a crisis of public trust. So Cision recently released the State of the Media report and um, maintaining credibility as a trusted news source is the biggest challenge currently facing the media. So knowing that you do want to be that trusted source for the media so that they know that they can believe your side of the story or believe what you're telling them when the world is in crisis or there's a particular problem. And a steady stream of positive press before a crisis occurs. This means, you know, pitch positive news, share positive news, so that when a crisis happens, your stakeholders, and they Google you, you'll have a lot of positive press out there and not just something written about the problem. And then we're going to move on to social media. And I know this is very important to you, Nadia and Senato Winery, but um, we are the digital landscape we are, is very combustible these days. So as you can see this stat, as of April 2022, 4.7 billion or 59% of the world's population were social media users. Um, and this is uh, just came out this year, that stat. So. The opportunity here is if um, you have a message to get out and you're not successful getting it out through traditional media, 
you have the ability to utilize your social media challenges to make a statement and share information directly with your stakeholders. The challenge of social media is that, well, it can get a little difficult to get ahead of a story because you really need to have quick communication when something happens. Um, and you can see this sign here. This is actually sold in the United States. Um, it's not a joke, but it says, in case of fire, exit building before posting on social media. Um, there have been numerous uh, documented situations where people have taken a picture of a crisis or an accident, posted it on social media before calling 911. And what happened in these situations is that the company got a call from the news before they even knew what was happening with their, their, their products, right? So um, this is a challenge, but I do want to show one example. Um, this is not a wine brand. This is a, an airline in the United States that really mastered the crisis response on social media. So what happened a couple years ago is this airline, Southwest Airline, landed um, nose first into New York's airport. And um, a lot of people were hurt and emergency responders, of course, came immediately. But Southwest went to social media and said, we're confirming emergency responders, assisting with the evacuation, and we will provide further details when available. So they did that holding statement. They took responsibility, acknowledged something was happening, and shared information, and then gave next steps as, as to that they would be providing additional details when available. I know you probably can't see it, but if you look at the comments, every comment was now supporting Southwest Airlines. They said, we love that you told us first without waiting for media to come. Um, thank you for the prayers. We support you. So they were able, because they were quick with their communication, they were able to open that line of trust and become the trusted source of information for their customers. <laughs> So no, I left I, you I think, speechless, didn't I? No, no, because it's very interesting. <laughs> no, um, about the area of the social media, you know that uh, in particular in the fashion, but also start in uh, the other um, in the other products, uh, probably also for the wine in the metaverse, you know, uh, where they they do the fashion week uh, online. And uh, uh, they do the opportunity not to present, but only in uh, online. And uh, so this is, uh, I think, is uh, um, a good opportunity. But I would like to ask you uh, for uh, the new generation, for the new millennials, uh, that probably they don't have the opportunity to travel, you know, because uh, uh, probably they, they want also to have more information very fast, very quickly. And so uh, give to the opportunity to see, for example, in my case, uh, the, the winery. So where I can show uh, all the, the winery start in the vineyards, inside the, the cellar, inside the vinification during also when we have the most important uh, moment as the harvest time. So uh, to, to have, uh, you know, in, in Italy is a, 
the cool metaverse you know, where you can, mm -hmm. uh, in uh, uh, 360 under uh, Greece, you can see all uh, uh, what, what's happened, but quickly. Mm -hmm. So this is, what do you think, uh, is a good idea for uh, uh, the wineries uh, to, uh, to, uh, to have the opportunity to do this? Well, I, I think the opportunity there is this is a way of communicating prior to a crisis and building brand loyalty and trust in, in your brand, so in your product and your winery. So I think that's a tool that can be used um, to communicate. I'm not sure in times of a crisis how to communicate in the metaverse. Maybe we, we want to disappear not, there. Not, I don't know. Uh, not uh, more uh, crisis, more pandemic. Uh, yeah. But I think it's definitely a tool that, you know, you can use as part of your strategy to create positive press and brand awareness and can and engage with your stakeholders. Yeah, for example, but uh, in this panel there are also other producers. I think that uh, during this pandemic for, uh, for us it was really important to have uh, uh, very uh, contact with uh, our importers, with our distributors, with the consumer. So in my, in my example, we organize a lot of uh, Zoom call but not, not only Zoom call, also testing. So we organize a testing uh, uh, in the vineyards where we present uh, a wine and we present, uh, um, for example, also the people that work with us. So this is, uh, I think, that uh, this crisis of the pandemic helped us to do this. Probably uh, in, in the past, uh, nobody uh, think to do this because we, we travel a lot, we go... Uh, you know, we, we take uh, often uh, some, uh, some flights to go to visit our, uh, our customer, our distributor. So, and this is a pandemic uh, help us uh, to do, uh, to change also this, uh, this way to communicate uh, uh, and to promote also our wines. Yeah. So I think that uh, well, this is a, a new era, a new way to... to yeah, to and I think during, like I said in the beginning, during times of crisis, exactly. a crisis is actually an opportunity and it shows us opportunity and whether we like it or not. <laughs> um, so I think, you know, you like many others during, during the pandemic pivoted to continue to reach exactly. your stakeholders and continue to do business. Um, but that leads us into a very important part of a crisis communication strategy, which is the recovery phase, right? So once the crisis is contained and we have, you know, your reputation is, is under control, we, we go into this recovery stage. And this is when our objective is to return to normal or as whatever the new yeah, normal yeah, is. Um, and the major goal of communication during the recovery stage is to continue to update information as it comes in because... Once everything is settled, people still want to know what kind of steps you're going to take to prevent this from happening again, or um, you know what kind of resources are available. And this could be what you're talking about. Maybe if there was some sort of um, impact that the the pandemic had that stopped you from being able to reach yes, someone, yeah. you make sure these lines of communication are open so for the future. So we have to consider this uh, method that uh, to put. To communicate. Uh, no, to consider. That's up to you to decide, but <laughs> I think, yeah, no, you should yeah. consider any, any, all options, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay.
Um, yeah, so again, in this recovery stage too, we want to, um, you know, like I mentioned, what is your brand going to do to prevent this from happening again? Um, social media is an effective tool during this stage. Um, again, directly reaching out and, and providing updates. And then finally, we want to evaluate the overall crisis communications plan. If it didn't work, we want to tweak it and we want to, so it can work better in the future. Um, and I'm going to leave you with one final thought. This is, this, a, is very nice. <laughs> this is a very famous quote um, from American businessman Warren Buffett. It takes 20 years to build a reputation and five minutes mm. to ruin it. And if you think about that, you'll do things differently. And I'm sure if the Austrian wine industry had this quote in 1985, they may have thought differently. <laughs> ah, yes, for sure. Thank you so much. No, thank you, Michelle. Thank you for, um, for, give, for give us this valuable uh, contribution. And uh, probably there are some questions from uh, the panel. So do we have any question to Michelle? Or maybe some, uh, also some experience that uh, you want uh, to share with us? Can you give an example of a, a, a crisis, not obviously a huge complex one, but something you've had to deal with and how you responded? Yes, Good absolutely. Question. Thank you. Um, so I have the, I'm fortunate enough to work on some Italian business, but I also do work on a lot of business in California. And right now a majority of our clients are building communication plan, crisis communication plan, in preparation of potential wildfires. So, um, you know, I find it interesting that while they are working with um, fire marshals and, you know, law enforcement to do things like bring fire trucks onto their property at all times and how to set up places to um, essentially um, combat a fire with water hoses and all this other stuff, they are coming to us to really communicate all these changes and make sure that people, um, their stakeholders, see what they're doing, but also have trust in that they will be there tomorrow. <laughs> um, so I think that's one thing. Um, something else that is probably a little bigger um, would have to be we dealt recently with a politician being on site of, at a winery and it caused a lot of uh, bad publicity, um, you know, where uh, in the US Fox News was publishing stories and things like that. So we really uh, developed a strategy to separate the brand with our communication and make sure the stake stakeholders knew um, the winery's values, authenticity, and, um, you know, where they stood in terms of, um, well, basically that their beliefs weren't in line with this politician. So that was a few I offered you. <laughs> Thank you for that. This is on, right? Yeah, okay. Um, so on one of your slides, you spoke about, you know, being a trusted source to the media, to have that relationship. So I guess my question to you in your experience and collective experience through your different clients is how did you reach the, how do you reach a point where you become a trusted source? Like how do you build that relationship with the media? 
great question. Um, so I would say the simplest answer is we got some PR professionals. You can always come talk to us and we can talk about a communication strategy. But, um, you know, just an event like this, there's loads of media here. So introducing yourself um, and then checking in from time to time, emailing, providing information. It doesn't always have to be selling, selling, selling. It could also be, hey, this is what's happening in our region. This is what is new. This is what's going on. And you'll see over time that um, the media is going to trust you to provide information mm -hmm. for them for a story. So, well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Michelle. Listen to the Italian Wine Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We're on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Himalaya FM, and more. Don't forget to subscribe and rate the show. If you enjoy listening, please consider donating through italianwinepodcast.com. Any amount helps cover equipment, production, and publication costs. Until next time, cin cin.